Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Last week's football was really, really fun. Week 13 honestly might be the best week of football we've had all year long. A lot of really entertaining games. Um, I'm here to break down just a few of them. I can't really get to all of them because there's a couple that just don't really matter, even if they're fun watches, like the Lions game. Um, and there's just so many games that I want to talk about that do have playoff implications in this one. And then obviously, for personal reasons, I'm going to talk about the Bears game because... It's not one of my episodes if I don't bring up the Bears at least once. So I'm going to talk about that game first. I'm going to talk about Jets versus Vikings. And I'm going to talk about Broncos. Actually, I probably won't even talk about the Broncos much. I have some notes here, but <laughs> it's more about the just how bad they are. I'm going to talk about Dolphins Niners. I've got to talk about Giants. Um, sorry, Giants Commanders, obviously. Uh, NFC East game that finished in a really lame way, but we're still going to cover it. We're going to talk Raiders versus Chargers. And then finally, we're going to talk... Oh, actually, no, we're going to cover Chiefs versus Bengals and then talk about Vintage Brady winning <clears throat> in, you know, classic Brady fashion at the very last second of the game, making a crazy comeback with only six minutes left down by two scores. Uh, yeah, what else can you expect at this point from the GOAT? But we're going to get into all of that. I'm not going to cover any basketball or soccer today. We're probably going to keep that for the Friday episode if I do end up doing that. Uh, my preview episode will be on Friday. So let's get into it, guys. Thanks for tuning in and let's get to it. So I'm not going to go over last Thursday's game because at this point it feels like it's just so long ago. So let's get into Bears versus Packers. Um, obviously 10 a.m. game on Sunday. Both of these teams not really in playoff contention. So if you just want to skip over this, go ahead. I'm not going to talk about it too long. But, I mean, I feel pretty similar about this game as I do for the rest of our season as a Bears fan. As a fan, you know, you really want the W and you just want to get that monkey off your back of just being able to beat the Packers because you know they they fucking own us and they know it and you know I'm sure the locker room would love to do something like that too but again it really doesn't matter at the end of the day neither of these teams are really playing for playoff contention um it does help our draft pick so it's really something we're looking forward to I liked liked I said that weird I liked a lot what I saw from Fields in this game as a passer he was looking really really clean had a lot of really big plays and he had another big run for a touchdown in this one. Um, I believe he's the first quarterback. What was the stat? It was first quarterback in NFL history to go for uh, three 50-yard rushing touchdowns, 50-plus-yard rushing touchdowns, and he did it a month. So that's just, <laughs> that's crazy. That's really telling just how dynamic he is um, when he is healthy, and hopefully he can stay on the field and be healthy. But beyond that, I mean, he looked really, really good this game as a passer, and then I didn't really like what our play calling turned out to be in the second half i thought we got way too conservative on offense um i thought they just put justin in a really bad spot um com coming down to it at the end of the game it should have never been in that situation we should have just held the lead and of course our defense definitely did its part in choking that as well because our defense can't fucking keep up with anyone our defense is atrocious right now but i mean i will say both of his picks weren't really that pretty especially that first one that was a really ugly ball at the end of the day but all I can say at the end of the day is I've got to say I feel similar how I felt coming into this game. Uh, Christian Watson on the Packers side of the ball is really emerging as a superstar in this league. His production has been absolutely insane the last few weeks. Um, I obviously don't expect that to be sustainable and as far as his touchdown rate. He's got something like eight touchdowns in the last four games or something like that. That's 
obviously not going to keep up at that pace, but he is a serious difference maker and a playmaker. They're finally unlocking all those abilities he had. We saw that in the early part of the season. Obviously, he's very notorious for dropping that pass against the Vikings. That would have probably been a 75-yard house call. And then he took one of those jet sweeps in one of those earlier games. I can't remember who they were playing, but he flashed in moments. It's finally all starting to come together over the last month, and he's looking like a really good playmaker for them that they found in the second round in last year's draft. But overall, again, not that many people want to hear about these teams. They're two teams that aren't really playing for much, so again, not going to spend too much time on that game. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is a little raspy right now. I've been freaking talking all day. But let's get into the Jets versus the Vikings. Jets versus the Vikings, of course, the biggest story coming into this one had to be Mike White. Um, it had to be, can he hang around in this league? Can he play? Can he distribute? Can he carry this team to a win in a hostile environment? Now, he couldn't bring the win home, but I think he's really answered the bell in a really big way. Obviously, he threw two interceptions in this one, but they weren't really his fault. He's making a much better um, situation out of, what's the word I'm looking for? He's making a much better... Uh, concoction i guess you could say with the situation he's being put in he's the players that are around him they're extremely talented we saw that zach wilson <clears throat> was kind of winning or sorry this team is winning in spite of zach wilson for a lot of times this year this doesn't really feel like the case with mike white and i'm not saying that he's going to be some long-term starter and he's going to be around with this team for a decade to come or anything like that that's not what i'm trying to say i'm just saying i've always not haven't been the biggest believer in zach wilson on this podcast if you know that um, then you've been listening to me because I've been saying it for months now. I really don't like, I've been saying it, I mean, honestly, since he get, got drafted, but I, I just don't really have much faith in him. And it's not that I'm trying to shit on the guy. Obviously I'm never wishing for anyone's downfall and I'm okay with being wrong on a take like that. I just didn't really see what the Jets saw in him. Um, obviously now he's being benched and the fans really seem to be against him. So it's, there's something really interesting going on in there with New York because I don't think Mike White is a long-term answer, but there's definitely worse. Um, there's definitely worse to be had. Mike White is proving that he's at least worth the starting spot in this roster on this team. Um, Joe Flacco had some moments earlier in the year, and so people were talking about him. But regardless, uh, Zach Wilson's clearly not the answer for these guys. Don't know if Mike White is, but hey, it looks better than when Zach Wilson's on the field. I guess that's all I'm trying to say. Now to flip that on its head. I just mentioned this before this game, but this Vikings defense has been pretty fucking underwhelming these past few weeks, especially in the past defense. Outside of Patrick Peterson, they're really very unproductive against the pass. Um, and I got to give the Jets credit in this one because they came back from a pretty big deficit in this one. They made it a really interesting game. Of course, the Vikings defense ended up holding up at the end when it really mattered. So again, got to see something there. But again, the Vikings just seem to squeak by every single team they play. Um, Justin Jefferson only had 46 yards receiving in this one, still had a touchdown. So got to give the credit to the Jets defense there. Overall, this was just a... Uh, Vikings, it, it was very typical of both these teams. It's kind of what I expected coming into this game. I thought the Jets were going to hang around. Um, they were going to, you know, do some good things against this Vikings secondary. That's not very good. They ended up doing that. Garrett Wilson really emerging as a superstar in this league. He was my number one wide receiver coming out of college. Don't mean to toot my own horn or anything like that, but just saying. He's been balling out this last month, especially this game. I believe he had, I want to say he had 140-plus yards. I know it was in the... 140s at least it could have been higher than that but either way he he had a really really good game for the jets he balled out against the bears a couple weeks ago too so he's really emerging as a very good receiver in this league um 
but yeah, this game kind of went how I thought it would. The Jets hung around. I didn't think they were going to, you know, make a comeback like this. And then the Vikings do what they've been doing all year long, just barely squeaking by teams. Their point differential has to be extremely low for how many games they've won. It's crazy how close they end up, or just how many games they end up winning that end up being so close. But yeah, not many two surprises here. Up next, we're going to get to the Broncos. <clears throat> God. Broncos Ravens and I mentioned this a little bit in the intro but I'm really not going to cover this game this much I it's just this was one of the most disheartening losses I think I've ever seen and of course it's not my team so I'm not really emotionally invested but I just couldn't help but feel bad for Broncos fans watching this game this was fucking putrid the fact that you force six punts and you pick the ball off twice and you still lose is absolutely unheard of I don't know if that's ever happened in a game before to only put up nine points their kicker put up every single one of their points it's just this might go down as the worst trade in nfl history because the dead cap implications on this thing you can't cut him you can't move on from him no one's going to trade for him you can't afford free agents now because he's on your roster and you can't just really get rid of him and from an owner's perspective because they're brand new owners in this organization this has to be the most frustrating fucking thing in the world because the immediate return on your money is going to be so ass. No one's going to buy season tickets for this sorry-ass team unless they get it turned around really quickly. First steps, you got to get rid of Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know how the hell he's still in this building. Uh, games like this just prove what the fuck is he doing there. He's not qualified. He's in way over his head. Uh, yes, Russell Wilson was not playing well at his towards his end of his tenure there with the Seattle Seahawks. And obviously he's played really bad at the Broncos this year. But I mean, there's still something there. He has capabilities. Yes, he's really corny on social media. Yes, this locker room seems to be very split on him. And it seriously seems like a lot of those players don't even fucking like the guy. But you know what would really help everyone if they were just winning? Uh, this team just needs to do whatever they can to just prepare for next year. Um, clean the fucking house. Get rid of Nathaniel Hackett. I don't think the GM's the problem. I think a lot of people would have made the trade for Russ in that position too. It's just the problem is you gave him everything you gave him and now it's just fully looking like he was a system quarterback under Pete Carroll and that Pete Carroll was doing the heavy lifting in that situation. So, fuck. It's looking really, really grim in Denver. There's not a lot of quick fixes to this. Um, I think this is a multi-year project and I would be extremely bummed out if I was a Broncos fan right now. Sorry, Zach, if you're listening to this. And before I leave this game, because I do want to touch on the Lamar Jackson side of it, I do need to talk about this a little bit. He obviously got injured in this game. <clears throat> God, my throat is fucked. I'm going to take a sip of water real quick. Sounds like he got a sprained PCL in this one. So he sounds like he's week to week, expected to miss one to three weeks. So, again, that can kind of mean a lot of things. He kind of have to take it with a grain of salt obviously he could shoot in the middle say he's probably going to be out two weeks that's what i'm going to go with until i hear anything new um but i think the biggest takeaway from all this is is one it's going to have massive playoff implications because they're obviously they have the head-to-head -head over the Bengals, but the Bengals just beat the chiefs the Bengals have been absolutely sizzling recently they've been red hot they're finding a more balanced offense. They're running the ball really well. Joe Burrow's playing really well. They're really limiting their turnovers, and their defense is still playing just as well. It's been playing all year. In addition to that, their offensive line has been playing outstanding the last month. We've seen that in the run game. It's seriously improved. Even with Samaj P. Ryan coming in, stepping in for Joe Mixon, their run game really hasn't skipped a beat. And Joe Burrow's taking a lot less pressure, taking a lot less sacks. 
So that's super huge for the Ravens season if they can keep up with Tyler Huntley. Uh, that's going to be absolutely crucial. We saw him step up for them in a few games last year. Can he do the same in this one? I really don't know because their offense has looked honestly not very good even since before Lamar went out. And then it didn't look at all better in this game. This Denver defense is legit. Um, the only time they were able to, you know, put something together was when it absolutely mattered in typical Denver fashion, just just like the rest of their season, just fucking blowing it. But anyways, if I was Lamar Jackson, you need to be going straight to the front office and you need to get paid before you even touch the field again, in my opinion. Obviously, that might be a little dramatic. And he's a competitor, so even if he doesn't have a contract, he's going to step on the field. But if that's me, if that's my body, I'm trying to get that bag. You should be negotiating right now. You should be doing everything you can to get the guaranteed money you can. And frankly, the more you get beat up, the more stuff like hap happens like this, the less likely you are to get that bag and the more likely that Tyler Huntley is going to be the one that's leading this team because he's a restricted free agent after this year, so you could definitely go to another team. But we saw him do some really good things last year. If Lamar's legitimately hurt, I don't know how you can justify really paying him that big of a bag. Um, especially because you're going to have to pay Roquan Smith. And trust me, I'm not saying this is what the Ravens should do. The Ravens should pay Lamar because you're winning with him. You've got a formula. Um, I think he deserves it. He deserves to be paid, absolutely. Someone else is going to pay him if you guys don't. But um, it's just makes a really interesting situation for Lamar. Lamar should be leveraging everything he can right now, throwing all of his chips on the table and saying, motherfucker, pay me because he should be paid. Up next, let's talk about Dolphins versus the Niners. <clears throat> God damn. Um, I definitely misread this game. Uh, losing Armstead before this game was a huge deal to the Miami Dolphins. I wasn't even aware he wasn't playing. If I knew he wasn't playing, I probably wouldn't have told you guys that they were going to cover the spread. But before I beat myself up, I want to say, and I don't care if I'm sounding like I'm flaunting, I kind of am, I did really fucking well on last week's bet. So I hope you guys listen to me. I took the Bengals money line. I took Detroit's money line. That one's a little more skeptical on, but I still took it. Um, I was really big on Steelers money line. That one hit obviously. And then um, there was one more I was looking at. Oh, of course. Yeah. The fucking I'll talk. I'll, you know what? Just save it. I'll talk about that last bet when I get to that game. Cause that was one of the more frustrating things I've ever had to watch. Let's get back to this Dolphins Niners games. That all that, that's all that matters. So of course lost Armstead before the game. That's a huge deal going against this D-line, but then Austin Jackson got hurt in this game. The other tackle, he's now been placed on IR. The Dolphins go out and sign Eric Fisher, which again, Eric, that's like kind of a wish-wash. He's obviously number one overall pick at one point, but he's not nearly the player he used to be. Still, worth noting, obviously a good depth piece. They're filling in a spot of need, so it totally makes sense. It sounds like Armstead's going to be back. I don't know how long Austin Jackson's going to be out. It's going to be at least four weeks because, you know, that's what the IR designation means. Um, but that's a big deal. That's a really big deal for this team and how this machine works, how this offense works. Um, Tua being upright, being protected, having all the time is really, really important to this formula. We saw a lot of that breakdown. He was under a lot more pressure, had, having to make a lot more high difficulty off schedule throws. And he really choked up in those moments. Couldn't do it. Um, we saw more of the Tua that we saw from, you know, the past couple years in this one. And don't get me wrong, I think Tua's a very capable player in this league. But if you know me, you know, I think a lot of this credit really just has to be given to the system, the talent around him. And we saw a little bit of that, you know, get taken away in this game. And he wasn't nearly as productive. Um, and he had to make, a, you know, a lot more off-schedule plays, like I said. So I think a lot of his weaknesses and vulnerabilities were just showing through. Not that he can't win. 
I just don't think I think we're kind of seeing the reasons why I wouldn't take him over a Burrow, uh, Allen, and Mahomes, and not that anyone really would, but I mean in a playoff scenario where those two teams are facing off, I think there's a clear advantage towards you know the other teams, not Tua and his squad. But of course, I can't leave this game without talking about Jimmy G. He is now out for the season, so that is two Niners quarterbacks out for the season. If the Niners' woes just you know can't get any worse in terms of injuries, it's now Brock Purdy time. So <laughs> that's really interesting, Mister Irrelevant, getting his starting time. Um, yeah, I really thought Baker Mayfield was going to end up with the 49ers, but he doesn't even make it that far in waivers. The Rams picked him up today, so I, I, I it almost feels like they just did it to take it away from the Niners out of pettiness or something because. Yeah, I get it. They're not paying him shit, and it's really low risk, but it's like, what are you really playing for at this point other than just, like, your pride, you know? The Rams aren't doing shit this year. It's very obvious. They're one of the worst teams in the league. They don't even have their own pick this year. Detroit's got that pick, and it's all the way up at, like, number three or four right now. Is that what they're trying to do? They're just trying to, you know fuck up that pick for the for the lions are they just i don't know it, it just seems like a kind of a weird move to me and again it doesn't really matter because they're not paying him shit and they're not playing for shit um i was just really expecting baker mayfield to be a 49er at this time today but hey he's in the same division just not on the same team so brock purdy coming out of iowa um I didn't even think he was going to get drafted this offseason obviously ended up being mr irrelevant he had a few couple all right plays in this one it's not like they were asking him to do much and it's not like shanahan is gonna ask him to do much so again moving forward i i just need to see more from him um i'm expecting this team to be still super competitive i'm still honestly kind of expecting this team to contend just because of this defense this roster uh this coaching staff it does put a little bit of a dent in it for me um, I think this team was legitimately Super Bowl contending before this. Now, I'm definitely a lot more skeptical. I definitely don't know if they could go into, or if Dallas would come to them, whatever end up would be, and probably Dallas coming to them or something like that. I don't know if they'd win that game. I don't know if they'd beat an Eagles. I don't know if they'd beat a Vikings with Brock, Brock Purdy. I keep fucking up his name. Um, so on that regard, it is kind of concerning. I still think they're going to be a really dangerous team. And again, I don't want to make to, like too many assumptions and jump to too many conclusions. I need to see more before I can make up my mind, but it is going to be really interesting. And those are just kind of my initial thoughts about it. So again, want to see more up next. Let's talk about, let's talk about commanders giants really quick, because I kind of forgot to put that down in my notes, but I totally realized I want to f talk about that game. And I did watch that game very closely because yeah, watching it with Jack, watching it with Vance. Actually, no, Jack wasn't even fucking awake yet, but I was watching it with Vance. Um, and this was the most annoying goddamn game because, honestly, I kind of just want to cover this game because it fucked me over, frankly. I had the over in this game. That was at 40 and a half points, and it was 2020 going into overtime. Obviously, I was like, well, someone has to win this game. Surely someone has to win this fucking game. Yeah, no one won the fucking game. So I ended up tying super lame shit it does make the playoff tie scenario really fucking interesting and they also play each other again in like two weeks um so that game just became infinitely more important than it already was not that you know either one was less important but now that they have basically the same record i think the giants still have one more loss if i'm not mistaken but they have the same amount of wins and then now they have the tie over each other it just makes the whole playoff race that much more interesting that much more competitive way closer than it was than it already was um but these teams just couldn't find a way to close out. And it looked very similar to how these teams have looked the rest of the, the rest of this year. I mean, 
Taylor Heineke making some really special plays, some really clutch plays, just pulling shit out of his ass. He's got kind of like that, uh, uh, what's the, like, not like Russell Wilson in Seattle effect, but kind of like, kind of like that. He's just like, he's got this strange ability to just find ways to just keep his head up and just get the ball to his playmakers, especially Terry McLaurin, who's obviously a superstar in this league. Um, and then the Giants are just a fucking really well-coached team that always seem to hang around a bunch of teams. Um, and I was really concerned about what this Washington defensive line can do in this one. They really didn't ruin the game too much. The Giants just did what they were able to do, took care of the ball. Daniel Bellinger coming back in this one was really big. I'm going to look up all the stats in this one because I actually don't have them in front of me. Um, but, I mean, yeah, no, neither team could just finish it out. Uh, Brian Robinson, you know, really taken over in this backfield for the Washington Commanders. He's had some really strong runs in the past couple of weeks. Uh, and of course, excuse me, Daniel Jones, just another day of just being efficient. I liked what he did a lot more on the ground in this one. Saquon Barkley's gotten, he's really slowed down in the past month. I don't know what's really going on in that situation. It feels like there's something not being said. And of course, that should totally be me overanalyzing it, but he just doesn't seem to have that explosiveness as he used to. And maybe that, again, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm not seeing something. But if you just look at the numbers, they're totally down in the last three weeks um he's his average yards per carry is not very good but what i was going to say is i really like what they did with daniel jones on the ground in this one i really think that's a key component to this team in this offense they like to drain the clock they like to hold on the ball they like to limit their mistakes and part of that is daniel jones using his feet in this one no turnovers for the giants in this one as far at least from what i can remember there were no turnovers right oh no they each had a fumble lost i'm, I'm lying but no interceptions thrown by daniel jones in this one um, another really clean game just low numbers in terms of average yards per attempt uh, average depth per throw and that type of stuff but moving the chains being effective and then 12 carries for 71 yards 5.9 yards a carry that's the stuff that really wears out a team and it's really hard to defend um obviously i've seen that firsthand all year long with the chicago bears and justin fields they've been doing the same thing it's so much harder to defend a team when the when the quarterback can also run the ball it just adds another dimension um but yeah i mean again we saw that i it's i wasn't too surprised from the out, outcome in this game if i'm being completely honest it was just two really well coached teams that you know that's it there's a reason why i didn't know who was going to win the game and i just took the over and it clearly you can kind of understand my reason in this one it obviously as close as it gets because it's literally a tie <clears throat> god my throat and um yeah just two really well coached teams playing really good ball right now and i'm really excited to see which one, or if both of those teams end up making the playoffs, what happens there? So let's get to the Raiders versus the Chargers. Um, fuck me, the Chargers, man. They've been really disappointing this last month. Honestly, the season as a whole, they should be way better than 500. Their talent is so much better than a 500 team. I'm really annoyed with Brandon Staley. I'm fucking sick of this team always being beat up. But I don't want to be all negative because let's not do that so let's stick with the positives let's talk about the raiders i gotta do it they're five and seven now they've won three in a row they're on a complete heater recently they're on the opposite pace of the chargers chargers are skidding raiders are ascending so Devontae adams he's having a great year been having it all year long but it's finally turning into wins in this one because they have a much more balanced attack on offense between him and jacobs both those dudes are absolutely dealing right now they're playing like legitimate all pro all pro players i mean I don't even think it's... An, I think Josh Jacobs is the all-pro running back right now. I'm not saying he's the best running back in football, but he's all-pro this year. That's a different thing. Um, he's playing out of his fucking mind. He's winning them a lot of football games. So, 
very impressive there. And then, of course, Devontae Adams just being absolutely fed uh, with the combination of him and Jacobs, like I mentioned. This team is really looking like how I thought they would before the year started. Long term, though, as far as, you know, more speaking about next year, because I don't really think this team is going to make the playoffs, even with the heater they've been on recently. They've basically got to win out to make it <clears throat> to make it in. Uh, but long term, they just need Darren Waller back. This is very similar to how Devontae Adams was used in Green Bay in terms of volume. He's getting ridiculous numbers of targets, like 16, 17, 14 fucking ridiculous targets per game. Um and yeah, like you can do that if you have a really good run game. We saw that with Green Bay. They were 13-3 the last few years doing that same strategy. Um, obviously not working out for the Raiders that that way. I don't think they have good of a coaching staff. I really just think Mike McDaniels can get in their way in a lot of ways. But my point I'm trying to make is an extra weapon like Darren Waller would just still make such a big difference in this offense as far as opening everything up for Devontae Adams, as far as mismatches go, as far as you can't double-team Devontae Adams because there's really not a lot of other reliable passing options in this offense right now. There's just a lot of hit-or-miss guys that show up, and then other times they don't show up at all. Matt Collins being you know, ex great a example of that. But yeah, I just hope... Darren Waller can get back on the field soon because I miss him. He's super fucking fun. I took him super high in two of my fantasy leagues and it absolutely fucked me. So I want him back because he's fun to watch and I think it'd make this team a lot more competent and fun to watch as well. Um, let's get back to Jacobs though because really quickly, obviously they declined his fifth year option coming into this year. Are they going to pay him? Because he is playing like legitimately one of the best running backs in football, like I mentioned. Another 100-yard game in this one, 124 on 24, or sorry, 144 yards on 24 carries. Um, I would think they don't pay him, right? Because they already didn't pick up the option. But it makes for a really interesting situ situation because obviously now he's a free agent. We have to track where he's going to go. But beyond that... He's been really fucking important to this offense and how they've been winning recently. A lot of that has been contributed to him. I obviously don't think a lot of that's sustainable. I think some of his production is just like he's just having a really damn good year and he's pissed off about not getting paid. But it does make an interesting topic because there's so much discussion about paying your running backs and whether you should and whether you shouldn't. And I'm one totally think that they should not pay him personally i know he's balling uh, i never think you should pay your running backs big money i thought like the austin eckler situation that's like the perfect contract you want for your running back um because realistically austin's like he's getting so cr crazy underpaid i don't know if you guys know his contract but it's literally like six million dollars a year zeke's getting like 20 so put that in perspective for you but anyways it's going to be really interesting to see what he gets this offseason, who he gets it from. Is it going to be the Raiders? Is it going to be another team? How much is he going to get paid? Um, I fucking highly doubt it's going to be like the Zeke, contact, Zeke contract. I think the whole league is looking at that and realizing maybe we shouldn't pair running backs like that. But I think it's more in like the Aaron Jones category. I don't really know who's going to do it or what's going to happen, but it's really interesting to think about. Up next, before I get into Monday Night Football, let's talk about Chiefs versus Bengals. Now, I mentioned this game earlier. I hope some of you guys took Cincinnati Moneyline with me because that was super fucking fun. That was a great game. I low-key, <laughs> of course, had to sweat it out a little bit because it's always the Chiefs and you never really know, but ended up pulling through the way they pull through. And yeah, you guys knew I was going to talk about this game because it's obviously the cover of my thumbnail, the Bengals. More specifically, Joe Burrow is now 3-0 against the Kansas City Chiefs, so good for him. Uh, there's some stat going around, like the Chiefs haven't won in Cincinnati since like 84 or some fucking ridiculous shit like that, which is crazy because they're in the same fucking conference, so you'd think they'd 
you know, play decently often and they'd be there decently often. And yeah, they haven't won there in goddamn forever. But yeah, I feel like you guys have probably already heard enough about this game. So again, I'm not going to talk about it too much because I know you guys, if you're listening to this, you obviously listen to other sports platforms and you've heard plenty of talk shows talking about this game. It was the biggest game of the week. It has huge playoff implications. Obviously, former AFC championship game and everyone's saying, oh, the Bengals own the Chiefs, the Bengals own the Chiefs, and they low-key kind of do. So I'm, again, I'm not going to cover it too much. Just to recap it all, the Bills are going back to the number one seed because the Chiefs lost. The Bengals are now tied for the lead in the AFC North with the or technically they're half a game behind because the Ravens have a game over them. But the Bengals should be taking the AFC North in the next few weeks if Lamar is going to be out. Um, just makes that you know whole race way more interesting. And man, watch out. Everyone's saying it, but it's totally true. The Bengals are getting hot at the right time. They're playing really, really well. Even with some of their playmakers out, um, like Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase the past few weeks, they were still winning games. Now Jamar's back in this one. He looked like he hadn't lost any steps. Uh, I'm assuming Joe Mixon should be absolutely fine by next week. I can't even believe he missed two weeks. The league is really cracking down on concussions, man. But, yeah, he missed the last two weeks of the concussion. I fully expect him to be back next week. And, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, this Bengals offensive line playing a lot better in the past, like, honestly, month or so. So, fuck. They're a dangerous team. The Bengals might be going to the Super Bowl once again. I'm not going to say I'm predicting anything, and especially – if the Bills manage to hold on to that one seed, it's going to be really hard to go into Buffalo and will win, excuse me. But this Bengals team, they would definitely give them a run for their money. They've got a lot figured out, and it's a really, really damn good football team. Again, hopefully you guys took their money line with me because that was fun. <laughs> Up next, and just to close out the episode, again, not too much to say here, but I got to cover it because... It was vintage Brady out there. Monday Night Football, you know, it was all looking like it was absolute shit. They could do nothing on offense. They just looked like the Bucks we've seen the rest of the game and like the Bucks we've seen against the Saints so many times. Just limiting turnovers for the most part, but then they were coming in bunches. Brady threw. He just looked off on a few throws in this one. He threw a pick in this one. There was a forced fumble by Cameron Jordan on a crazy hustle play. If you haven't seen that fumble, go look that up. Look, look at how deep... He got rushing Brady and then how far upfield he ran. Um, but yeah, it looked like a typical Saints Bucks just beat down of the last couple years. Not like what we saw earlier this year when Jameis Winston was kind of throwing that game away for the Saints. But Andy Dalton was making some really good plays, making some really good throws for the most part. Obviously, he wasn't putting up the craziest numbers, but he had some really good throws in there. Um, played a really clean game. Bucks defense really couldn't do much. Like they weren't playing incredibly bad and they were doing decent against the run. Um, but there was just too many times I saw them get torched in the back end by Chris Olave and some of those playmakers by Andy Dalton. Uh, obviously, again, the numbers don't entirely show it because it's not like they put up the craziest amount of points. But then, you know, Brady just turned it on. They had five minutes left, down two possessions, and then just like that, ball game. Bucks ended up winning just as quickly as you think it's over. And, um, you know, you just turn your backs on and forget about it. You, you know you're not turning off that TV because it is Tom Brady playing. Sure enough, he does what he does best. Looks like Vintage Brady out there. Puts the drive together when it really matters after having all those punts earlier in the game. Only settling for three points in, you know, whatever it was. 43 minutes of play, 42 and whatever seconds minutes of play left. So... Just crazy stuff that he's still doing all this shit at 45 years old. Obviously, all the storylines in the world. Again, another game that I'm sure you guys have already heard plenty about. And it was <laughs> it was super entertaining to watch because you're totally just sitting there. Yeah, no way, no way. Like, Bucks are just 
Bucks just or Saints just own the Bucks. Sorry, Saint, it's just over. And then they score that touchdown, and you say you say, "Oh shit, it's Tom Brady." Why was I ever saying "No way, no way"? And then next thing you know, they fucking won the game. But just looking at the numbers behind behind this game, it's like it's yeah, it's just so weird and deceiving. It's such a strange game. Um, I don't have them in front of me right now, but I remember when I was looking at them after the game, I was like, "Yeah, that sounds." Sounds about right. Andy Dalton, 20 for 28, 229 yards, touchdown. Again, really clean game. Taysom Hill, 1 for 1, 21 yards on that big play. Um, as far as the Buccaneers go, Brady threw the ball 54 motherfucking times. They got into that tendency that they kind of looked how they looked. And obviously they got put in a little bit of a bind because they got down early. But it still just bothers the shit out of me. Leonard Fournette was actually running pretty damn well in this game. It really seems like they have to ride the hot hand at running back, whether it be Rashad White or or Leonard Fournette, but I just hate how quickly it feels like they ditch the run game. It feels like they do this way too often in a lot of these games. Brady has, like, just, I think he's leading the league in pass attempts this year. I, I could be wrong about that, but it feels like he is. He throws the ball, like, 50 fucking times a game, and that is just not how you win in the playoffs. It's not sustainable. And we've seen them be a more balanced team, and typically it lends into better results. So, again, I don't really love their play calling in this one. Uh, but they ended up getting the win anyways. They're just scraping along uh, of the worst division in football by an absolute mile. Sitting atop the NFC South at 6-6. Six and six. So <laughs> take all of that with whatever you want. And, yeah, it's just, just a strange, weird game. But, hey, Vintage Brady, can't count him out. Maybe when the playoffs come, he turns it on. And he looks like that last drive of this game every single game. But who knows? Either way, that's going to be it for me, guys. I hope you did enjoy this episode. If you did, be sure to share this with your friends. Follow the Instagram, at Murphy's League. I appreciate each and every single one of you. Sorry about the voice being a little fucked up today, but we're getting through it. Um, I'm going to have another episode out. I mentioned it earlier, but I'll have another episode out Friday. I'm not going to have one Thursday because I got a birthday. But, yeah, Friday we'll have... We'll have the preview episode out for you guys. So it should be another interesting week of football. Haven't really checked the schedule, but... See you guys then. Hope you enjoyed the episode and peace out.